everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Talking Sports with Evan. I am your host of the show, Evan Watallison, and I am live here on Twitter. Um, last week I did Facebook Live, um, Talking Sports with Evan Facebook page for those that are interested in um, following along over there. And today I am trying it out on Twitter, see if I have a difference in viewership watching it but you can always also listen to the recorded versions of the show on my anchor or spotify or itunes or ever podcasts are found you can find me on twitter at evan with sports and you can email comments questions or topic ideas to talking sports with evan dot com i want to first uh kind of give the outline of what the show is going to look like today so Baseball-wise, we had another no-hitter in baseball yesterday. And question being thrown out there is, is it too much? We've now had six no-hitters, seven technically if you count uh, Madison Bumgarner. So we've had six no-hitters, and it's May 20th. Is it a bad thing for baseball? And where has the offense gone? The offense has not been this bad since the 1960s. And you can argue launch angle. You can argue dead in baseball. You can ar- there's, a, uh, there's a lot that you can argue. But at the end of the day, is it a bad thing for baseball with the offense struggling? Um, Aaron Rodgers still in the news. Um, he um, still unsure what's going on there. Um Is he going to play for the Packers? Is he not going to play for the Packers? Is he going to get traded? Is he not going to get traded? What is the issue with Aaron Rodgers? So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, give an update from last week. And the other thing I want to mention too, I'll talk about. So the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, beat Packers beat writer Ryan Wood. Um, I I like Ryan Wood's work. Um, So he had the task of going through the Packers' uh, regular season schedule and determining what the Packers' record could be, should be, with Aaron Rodgers, and what's it going to be without him. He didn't specify if it would be Blake Bortles. He didn't specify it would be Jordan Love, a quarterback. And I kind of disagree with where he put the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. I kind of disagree with that. And um, for those watching live, or for those that are listening, um... Those that are listening to um, the show later, how many games? How many games do the Packers win without Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? What What are your thoughts? How many games do you think do you feel they win? So Ryan Wood put it at five. Um, and if you can want to comment, uh, at all, feel free to, and I'll read some of them, uh, on the show live. Um, otherwise, if you want to tweet at me, if you're listening to the show later at Evan with sports or talking sports with Evan at gmail.com. So that's the other thing I'm going to talk about. And the Bucks play the Miami heat coming up on Saturday, game one of the playoffs and the Bucks take on Last year's nemesis, the Miami Heat. And are the Bucks better equipped to defeat the Miami Heat this year? 
Um, there's a great article in The Athletic um, posted by Eric Name. And I highly recommend if you are a Bucks fan, if you're a basketball fan, give a read. The title of the Bucks have spent all season making adjustments. Now it's time to see it in the playoffs. And he was talking about um, the dunker and how that works. And sorry, that's a different article. This one, the uh, the Bucks' new offense uh, is exceeding with the addition of the dunker dunker era. So name kind of, you know, Eric Name's a great writer, and I'm going to try to get him on the show. I'm um, going. At some point, once the playoffs start, when he's available, and talk about that. So, and then talk some Milwaukee Brewers, whose offense is definitely struggling right now. There is no better way to uh, to 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 uh, to put it. So, with that said, um, first topic: baseball. What is is. Is the no-hitters in baseball good or bad for the game? And me personally, so I am, I'm a baseball diehard. I love the sport of baseball. So it doesn't bother me at all if there's no-hitters or not. It doesn't bother me. I, I love baseball. And I enjoy seeing no-hitters. I enjoy seeing um, home run derby type games. I enjoy the pitching duels. Like I, I just enjoy baseball. And... But the problem is the the no hitters, of course I'm gonna like the no hitters. I, I, I love baseball. And if you love the sport of baseball, you're gonna like no hitters. But if you're more of a casual baseball fan, you're not a huge baseball fan, but you'll watch it, that's where you're gonna have some issues. That's where you're gonna get bored. Part of the reason why America does not enjoy soccer like the rest of the world is there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of scoring. Baseball, you have games that have a lot of scoring, and then you have games that don't have a lot of action. You get both. But right now in baseball, with the way the offense is, you're not getting any action really. Um, it's basically become the year of the pitcher. And I, I saw on Twitter um, at Jake Stern, um, he's a contributor to Brew, Call, Brew Crew Ball, writer at the pitcher list and director of analytics at WLC um, base. Um, Wisconsin, uh, official Twitter account of Wisconsin uh, Lutheran baseball, WLC base. So he put out there today um, that he quote has some bad news for the it's launch angle fault crowd. The league wide launch angle is exactly the same as it was in 2017, 2018 and now in 2020. Fly ball rates have stayed the same since 2017. So, what is it then? You know, he, he, he goes on to say in his tweet thread, Baseball does have a problem. The lack of hitting we're seeing this year is not good for the sport. It probably isn't the result of just one thing. It's a number of factors that require a deeper discussion and investigation. Unlike the league's launch angle, here are some things that have changed recently. Pitchers are throwing harder than ever before. Pitchers are throwing more breaking balls than ever before. We have different baseballs again. So there's there's a lot of things. So is it dead? Is it the dead ball? You know, is, is that the reason why they dead in the baseball after we uh, we, we saw a lot of um, 
you know, we saw a lot of uh, home runs not that long ago in baseball, and now baseball overcorrected itself, and now all of a sudden we see more strikeouts than ever before, and the league, the batting average as a league is the lowest it's ever been since the 1960s um, when baseball made some changes to uh, living up the game a little bit. And maybe it's time baseball does that. Maybe it's time for Major League Baseball to, I don't know what they can do yet in 2020. I mean, 2021, whatever year or when now. Um, but maybe there's something they can do moving forward um, into 2022 that can living up the game of baseball. again. Because I, I don't feel it's a good thing that we have now six no hitters and it's May 20th. And I think we've had four of them in the month of May. Two this week. The same three teams have been no hit every game. And it seems like every night I'm getting an alert on my phone saying so-and-so's on no hitter watch. And it used to be once every couple months maybe you got it. And now it's like five, six, seven times a week. So-and-so no hitter watch. So-and-so no hitter watch. This team, no hitter watch. And I, for one, would love to see the Brewers throw a no hitter this year. I haven't seen it. Um, I think 1987 was the last time the Brewers had a no hitter. I was super young. I don't remember it. Juan Nieves was pitching, and Bill Schroeder is not going to let you forget that he was catching that game. But I want to see a no hitter. And I think I made a prediction a few episodes ago in Talking Sports with Evan that I believe the Brewers will throw a no-hitter this year. Not sure when, but I think they will. When you have a rotation of Brandon Woodworth, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, uh, Adrian Hauser, one of those four, and I, I and I left Brett Anderson off intentionally, and I, just, I don't feel it's going to come from him, and that's probably why it will, but I, I just feel it'll come from one of those four. And my leading guy right now is Freddie Peralta. I think Freddie Peralta throws a no-hitter at some point this season for the Brewers. So, would love to see it, but I think we need to see more offense in baseball. Um, I know uh, Manf- Man- uh, Roger Manfrey, the uh, commissioner, wanted to speed up the game, but with the lack of offense, you're going to be scaring off a lot of casual fans who want to see action, but all they're seeing is Probably combined uh, 15 to 25 strikeouts a night and a lot of one nothing, 3 nothing, 2-1, 3-2 games. So baseball needs to figure it out and make the offense not so much of a, a struggle. And you can blame launch angles, but it's more than just that. Um, moving on, Milwaukee Brewers. How do we fix the Brewers' offense? And I don't know. I I wish I had an answer. I wish I had an answer on how to fix the Brewers' offense. Because you look at the players on the Brewers' team. There's no reason that the offense should be this bad. Christian Yelich is a should-be two-time MVP. I know he uh, just came back off the um, the IL. But he should be a two-time MVP. Um, Lorenzo Cain is a guy that normally hits the ball really well. Um, Travis Shaw is a streaky hitter, um, but his batting average is normally higher than it is. 
Jackie Bradley Jr. tends to hit the ball better than he is right now. But they and they can't hit. And, yes, they got guys like Daniel Vogelbach, who's just not a good hitter. Um, he's probably a fun guy to have around the team. But overall, either strikeouts, walks, or hits a home run. There's really no, ever no in-between with Vogelbach. Um, Omar Devias has been the bright spot of the offense after a struggle last year where he couldn't really hit the ball at all. His offense has come back uh, better than ever before. I think he's batting in the high 300s right now. I know he's not going to bat in the high 300s all season long. He's going to get his slumps, but he's really come along. Um, Colton Wong's hitting the ball really well too. But with the offense the Brewers have, there's no excuse why they can't score more than a couple runs a game. Um, there's just no excuse, and I, I wish I had an easy answer. And you can argue fire Andy Haynes, fire the hitting coach, but unfortunately I don't think it does anything. I don't think firing the hitting coach is going to make a difference for the Brewers' offense. Something just needs to it, – it's got to get better, I, I guess. They can't be this bad this long. Um, last year over a 60-game stretch – they weren't very good, and so far over just over 40 games, the offense has not been consistent, especially in the month of May. I think they averaged four and a half runs per game in the month of April, and now they're uh, last I heard they're averaging about two and a half runs per game in May, but that might have gone down a little bit since the, they haven't played well in the past, you know, the entire month. So I don't know what the Brewers can do to fix it. Craig Council has moved the lineup around a lot. He's moved guys up, moved guys down. I think at the end of the day, we just have to wait for Yelich to start hitting. And I think expecting him to be um, pants on fire as soon as he uh, came off the IL, I think was a little much. He hasn't swung the bat a lot overall. Keston Hira coming back up to major leagues. I think that's going to be a huge help to the offense. He's raking again. Um, Looks like he gained his confidence back. And we got to hope that he can um, continue to be confident when he comes back to the major league level and hit the ba- hit the crap out of the baseball. But, and I know it's hard, it's frustrating, it sucks, but I the Brewers' offense will come along eventually. They will come along at some point and get hot and get hot for a good stretch of baseball and then get cold again. And then they'll get hot again for a good stretch of baseball, and then they get cold again. And typically, ultimately, we need to see just the offense be more consistent. That's what we need to see. So, what do you think can fix the Brewers' offense? At uh, Evan, uh, talking sports with Evan at gmail.com. I have too many emails to try to remember. I have a couple work emails, I have my podcast email, I have my coach. Uh, coaching, a uh, fitness coaching email and my personal email. So I got all the emails to remember. But talking sports with Evan at gmail.com or at Evan with sports on Twitter. How do you fix the Brewers offense? I know the easy answer is fire Andy Haynes, the hitting coach, but I don't think it really does anything. So moving on, Milwaukee Bucks playoff start on Saturday. For the Bucks, Miami Heat, game one at home this year, 50% attendance. The Bucks have taken two or three from the Heat in the regular season. And I'm not going to go into X's and O's and things like that. 
I just think the Bucks match up better with the Heat this year than they did last year. Jay Crowder took a, made a lot of big threes last year. He's gone. Kelly or uh, uh, one of their bigs, I can't think of his last name. Uh, he's a guy that um, he he uh, helped quite a bit. He's gone. So those two losses can't be forgotten. And I think the Bucks are better than they were last year. Drew Holiday and Bledsoe is okay um, for the most part. He solid defense. But the biggest issue with Bledsoe is all too often he had to make it about himself. The offense is running through Giannis. It's running through Middleton. All of a sudden he's like, you know what? It's time for the offense to run through me. What about me? And he throws up a ill-advised three, misses it. The other team nails a three on the other end. So what does he do again? Throws up another three, misses it. The other team nails one on the other end, and all of a sudden it's a six-point swing. So Bledsoe did that too much. Drew Holiday, one of the big things with Drew Holiday is he is about what is best for the team. Um, He is team-oriented. Can he be the main focal point of the offense? Yes. Can he be second fiddle of the offense? Yes. Can he be third fiddle of the offense? Yes. He is the facilitator. He makes the offense run. And him in that dunker role, and again, I strongly encourage you to check out The Athletic with Eric Name. And that article alone is worth the, the $1 uh, uh, subscription price right now. It's a short-term deal, and it's a dollar to sign up. I highly recommend it. Um, but I just think the Bucks are better mainly because of Drew Holiday. And then Bobby Portis has been outstanding. P.J. Tucker has been uh, brought some toughness to the team. Bryn Forbes can nail threes. Uh, gives you what they were hoping to get with Corver last year, but he's a better shooter and uh, more athletic. Defense could use some work, but, you know, they didn't sign him for his defense. And George, uh, uh, Teague is a big a big addition to the team, uh, Jeff Teague. And I think the Bucks are better positioned this year than they were last year going into the bubble. The bubble, uh, the, the shutdown of the season last year killed their momentum. But I think this is the year that the Bucks make a deep run. I think they beat the Heat in five. I think they give the Nets all they can handle. And I think they pull off the upset there. And I think they match up well against the 76ers enough that they can beat the 76ers and get to the NBA Finals. If they don't, well, Budenholz is likely out of a job. So final thing I want to, oh, final thing I want to touch base on, um, Packers. So like I talked about last week, Nobody really knows what is going on with Aaron Rodgers. The only person that truly knows what's going on with Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And he's only letting us know what he wants us to know. Um, talking through his friends of uh, Kuhn, talking through his friends with James Jones, A.J. Hawk. Ultimately, Rodgers is only letting us know what he wants us to know. So we don't know, and now it's coming out that the uh, the rift may not be as bad as people said it was because now the Packers and Rodgers are apparently discussing a contract extension to keep it along even longer. So I don't know what when it'll be fixed, but the two big dates to really look at is June 1st and June 8th 
June 1st is when the contract, they can uh, spread out the dead money over two years. And June 8th is when he's supposed to report to mandatory mini camps. And he's never missed one. Um, and if he misses, it'll be interesting to see if the Packers excuse him or if they start finding him. And I think that's going to be a big tell um, if, if it comes out publicly leading up to uh, January 8th, uh, sorry, June 8th, that the Packers are excusing Rodgers. Um, I think that's going to be a tell that they're very close to bridging the gap between the two of them. But the main thing I wanted to talk about today is the Packers' uh, schedule. Ryan Woods' article in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. have it here in front of me. I printed it off. And he goes game by game and gives a, a prediction on what the Packers would do with Aaron Rodgers and without Aaron Rodgers. And with, with Aaron Rodgers, he says the Packers would be 13-4. and four. Pretty much the record they've had the last two years, but with 17 games at an extra loss. Without Rodgers, Packers are 5-12. and 12. You know, I like I mentioned, I have a lot of respect for Ryan Wood. I love his work. I think he does a great job covering the Packers' beat, but I disagree with 5-12. and 12. I think 5-12 and 12 is, the, is the floor, meaning if things don't go right, they'll probably, best they can do is probably five wins. But if things go right and things happen like I expect them to, without Rodgers, I think the Packers could fight for a playoff spot. With Rodgers, they're a Super Bowl team. They are a Super Bowl caliber winning team with Rodgers under center. But without him, I think they can compete for the playoffs. And I'm not, and I'm using that term that way intentionally, compete for the playoffs, because if they win the division, they're in the playoffs. And the reason I feel that way, because love him or hate him, Goot has done a good job of building the talent on this 53-man roster. The offensive line is uh, solid. They have Devontae Adams, who I think can be good with any quarterback. We saw him have success with Brett Hundley in 2017, where other receivers couldn't have any success. They didn't have any success. Um... I think you have Aaron Jones, a top four, top five, top four back in the league. Um, you have Preston, Zadarius, and Rashawn Gary, three guys that can get after the quarterback, Alexander, Savage, Amos, and then whoever the other corner is on the other side. You have a defense that should be able to force turnovers and get the football back. And we don't know what Jordan Love is yet. We don't know what he is. I've seen people automatically claim he sucks. I've seen people proclaim him the next in line to be a Hall of Famer. Ultimately, we don't know what he is yet. And the thing is, we don't need Jordan Love to be a Hall of Fame quarterback to be successful. We need him, basically, with Matt LaFleur to be a game manager. Manage the game, especially year one. Don't make mistakes. Manage the game. Hit the open receivers, which we've seen there are going to be some wide open receivers with this offense the Packers run. And don't turn the ball over. And yes, I know I already said that, but I'm going to say it again. Don't turn the ball over. Protect the football and score points. Keep the defense off the field. Keep the other team's offense off the field. 
Jordan Love doesn't have to be a Hall of Fame quarterback for the Packers to win games. He doesn't. We've been spoiled as Packer fans because our last two quarterbacks have been Hall of Famers. But not too many quarterbacks make the Hall of Fame. So the the depth that the Packers have, I think without Rodgers, I think their ceiling is probably eight or nine wins. And that could and should be enough to potentially win the division. The Lions are something. I don't really know what the Lions are. The Vikings are not as good as people think they are. Their defense was horrible last year, and their secondary is still an issue. Um, O-line is still a question mark. Um, And then the Bears, yeah, they had a solid defense, but Kyle Fuller's a big loss. Um, And if Andy Dalton is the quarterback, I don't know. We saw him with the Cowboys last year. He doesn't have a lot left. And then if Justin Fields is the quarterback, it's asking a lot of a rookie to come in and, you know, play at a very high level to win the division, especially when offensively I don't think the Bears quite have the weapons that the Packers do. Yes, they have Allen Robinson. They have uh, Mooney. um, But I don't think they quite have the weapons that the Packers do with or without Aaron Rodgers. Because like I said, Devontae Adams have put up numbers with Brent Hundley. Tanyan might suffer a little bit without Rodgers throwing him the ball, but the offense opened him up quite a bit. Um, Amari Rodgers looks to be the real deal. It'll be interesting to see when he gets into an actual training camp and preseason games. And the offensive line looks solid. So a lot of respect for Ryan Woods. I love his articles. I love his work. But I just see the ceiling. Without Rodgers, the Packers be a 7-8-9 type win team. Um, the floor be five wins. So, and again, we can't just assume Jordan Love is going to be bad. Everyone wants to say Jordan Love is going to be awful. But people thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be bad when they decided to part ways with Brett Favre. And again, I'm not saying Jordan Love is going to be a Hall of Famer. But the thing is, the Packers don't need... Jordan Love to be a Hall of Famer. If guys like Trent Dofer can win a Super Bowl, if Jimmy Garoppolo can lead a team to the Super Bowl, if uh, Kerry, um, uh, Kerry Collins can lead a team to the Super Bowl, <laughs> you don't need, if Eli Manning can win two Super Bowls, you don't, and, and I get Eli Manning, people argue he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think he is. But the point I'm making, you don't need the quarterback to be out of this world dominant in order to make the Super Bowl. Jordan, uh, Jordan Golf, uh, sorry, uh, Golf uh, out in uh, Detroit now. He made the Super Bowl with the Rams. You don't need a Hall of Fame quarterback in order to make the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson wasn't a Hall of Fame quarterback yet when he uh, took the Seahawks to their first Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't a Hall of Famer yet when he led the Steelers to their first Super Bowl. Um, with as Well, when he went to his first Super Bowl at quarterback of the Steelers. You just need to run the offense, hit the open man, and don't make mistakes. That's all they need out of Jordan Love. Yes, it would be nice if he could be a quarterback that takes the offense to the next level, but ultimately, they don't need that. So, 
with that said, thank you for those that listened live, even if it was for very short periods of time. Thank you for those that are listening to the recorded version of the podcast. Thank you to those that listen or watch the video later on today. I appreciate the support. Find me on I, I, uh, I, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. Rate me, subscribe, share with a friend, have them rate me and subscribe. And uh, let me know what you think. Um, give me a review. You can email me, talkingsportswithevan at gmail.com. And find me on Twitter, uh, Evan Witt Sports at Evan Witt Sports. So with that said, I have to go going to a uh, local establishment here in Racine, Little Port Brewing Company. New company, new business just off a of second on Second Street off of Maine between Wisconsin and Maine. If you're in the Racine area, check it out. And with that said, I will talk to you all later. Have a good one.